0: Welcome back to Chunky Glasses, the podcast, boys and girls. Um, this week we're going to be talking about a little modest mouse, but you probably knew that since it's right there in the title, uh, right there for you to see. We are also going to be talking about uh, the Blurred Lines decision that was handed down. Uh, Robin Thicke for L. Williams versus uh, the estate of Marvin Gaye and the Gaye family. Uh, sort of a horrible thing for music in general, I think. Uh, but Paul and I are going to talk a good bit about that. Uh, also talking about a band, uh, Waltz Brigade, a seven-piece, uh, maybe sometimes even bigger, collective out of D.C. And we're going to be playing their song, uh, Slow Mountain. But I, uh, I wanted to say something I didn't mention when we were talking about it that, I, that really drew me to this, is that uh, sort of their, their theory where they say, uh, we're not trying to make any profit or even to make it as professional musicians. We just want to know, will the people like our music enough to help us cover the cost of making it? Um, that's on their Bandcamp page. It goes on to say, but uh, it's something we talk about a lot uh, on this podcast is new models for making music and then why you make music and whatnot. And definitely, that that's not for everybody. I mean, some you know, people got to eat if you're going to be doing this. Uh, as your sole source of income, then I suppose that's a model that isn't going to work for you. Uh, but I, I can say from hearing this EP and hearing the song we're going to feature, um, I don't know how much that shaped how they're doing things. Uh, but it was sort of refreshing to see people just right up front say, uh, you know what? Pay what you want for this because uh, we're just here to make music. Um, so. Uh, Pay attention to them a little going forward And uh, and we're going to be talking about them a little later Uh, The last point in business Before we get to this podcast uh, Is a serious bummer Um, Last week we lost an extended Member of our family Uh, Paul, uh, you've heard On here many, many, many Times uh, Lost one of his best friends uh, His dog Kenobi Uh, Got sick Uh, I'm not going to go into the details uh but it happened quick. Um and uh Paul and Lisa had to put Kenobi down. Uh it was a uh it was seriously tragic and uh we all miss Kenobi. Uh in fact this uh this podcast and pretty much every podcast going forward uh the thing we'll put at the end is gonna be dedicated uh to Kenobi. He was a uh he was as as Paul put it in what he sent out uh he was a good dog, and, and he was the best, and he he really was. So, uh, just wanted to remind people that whether you're talking about your your pe- sometimes your pets are your people, uh, and uh, you know your people are your people, but sometimes your pets are your people too. Uh, they certainly are. Uh, my cats Gus and Gizmo, uh, I would not be okay without them. So, uh, our hearts go out to Paul and Lisa and uh, Kenobi. We will miss you. And, uh, so, uh, just wanted to share that with everybody. Um, so, you know, go out and adopt a dog or something, uh, or hug your dog or your cat or your chinchilla, whatever you got. Um, yeah, so, but Paul is, is doing okay and he, he was on this podcast. So there you go. Um, so on that note, uh, let's just carry on with this. Uh, this is going to be episode 108 i glasses of the podcast. Uh, me and Paul, kicking in old school, just two of us uh, talking about the new Modest Mouse record. Uh, Strangers here. to ourselves.
1: And it finishes here. Two men into one man. Nearly a two word
2: review. just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and get one just
1: That right there is yeah. a, a lot of power.
0: Alone in with, Kevin's at, basement Past, uh, going a little. Oh no, Gus is coming. Oh, so so here we go. Gus, Gus is completing. Gus, you're the third panelist. <laughs> um, yeah, we had uh, had some technical difficulties. I think the past few weeks. Yeah, trying to. Uh, n- we're never going to get to talk about Dan Deacon now. Uh, almost didn't get to talk about uh, the album we're going to be talking about today, which is uh, Modest Mouse. Which, Paul, this is actually a you podcast. Yeah, it's like, I legitimately was like, "Fuck this," and then I said, "No, Paul might want to talk about it."
2: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, Modest Mouse is one of my favorite bands, yes, so the chance to to talk about them in uh, in whatever context is uh, is always appreciated.
0: And Context is going to be important in this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. Uh, before that, though, uh, I want to get to a little uh, stuff. We've got that for you today. We've also got. Uh, we're going to be premiering a new track by. A DC band called Waltz Brigade. At the end, we'll tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, but is that Waltz like Walt possessive or Waltz like? No, no, no. It's not Breaking say. Bad related. Okay. It's like like the three step or two step or whatever. Ah, okay. Yeah, Waltz. That, that uh, makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, earlier this week, uh, if you have the internet, you saw this. Uh, a story broke. We uh, talked about this story. Shit, I don't know, last year when this happened Like early October mm-hmm. um, Where Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams Preemptively sued the uh, Estate of Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye's family uh, Because they were saying That their track, Blurred Lines Was uh, ripping off uh, Marvin Gaye's track, Got to Give It Up at this t- at that time because we said, well, what they were saying is that it, it was it was copying a field. Not copying a feel—that's different. <laughs> I mean, given the song, it yeah, might be doing yeah, that too. Be. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, blurred lines was accused of being a little rapey, just a little. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, so, but so that—that's a ridiculous concept. You would think that the, a song, you could sue anybody just because you think or feel that they sound like uh, a track that you may or may not have written. Uh, not as ridiculous now as you might think. Uh, I'm not sure we're really laughing anymore uh, because a judge awarded the Marvin Gay estate $7.4 million, um, saying that they infringed but not willfully, <laughs> which is – so um, the specifics of the case are really – it comes down to this. Uh, they – the jury was instructed to basically uh, just look at the compositions. And copyright, we won't get heavy into copyright law, but it's very complex, a lot very outdated in a, in a lot of instances. But in this specific case, uh, what you're talking about is sheet music, and so they had an expert write down everything uh, and and put it to the jury. But somehow, uh, even when these two are compared, we're going to have a link to an article that actually shows the sheet music to it. Uh, uh, they they look nothing alike because they are nothing alike. Right. Um, and but somehow the jury went ahead and and awarded uh, this to the gay family. In um, the like, well, you've you've spent some time at the University of Phoenix, Paul. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's persu- true. Pursuing some legal my, studies. Uh, my
2: online law degree here. I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely. Able to opine on, on these things with the expertise that that online degree confers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how much of this is is legal bullshit? Do
2: you think? Well, look, I, I do have to lead by saying here I'm, I'm not a copyright lawyer. You're, not, you're I know not. you've had copyright lawyers on here before, so this is just uh, general um, – just having read about the case and such. I, the first thing is I am shocked that the judge let this go to the jury. Yeah. Like to me – well, uh, judges are supposed to throw out cases if there's not uh, – they, they're supposed to decide the matters of law and the jury mm-hmm. is just supposed to be left to questions of fact. And it seems to me that as a matter of law under a reasonable interpretation of the copyright uh, – of the Copyright Act that this should never have even been allowed to go to the jury. That yeah. This is just not – Which is why co- we laughed about yeah, it. Yeah. This is not copying someone as a matter of law. Yeah. But – when you, whenever you send something to a jury, you never know what the heck is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think part of this is you've got a, you've got just a bad plaintiff defendant situation. Like when you're given the choice of being on the side of Robin Thicke or being on the side of Marvin Gaye, <laughs> yeah. like you put it like <laughs> right, that, right. then people are going to be like, "Well, yeah." I, the article
0: I, you were talking, you sent me this morning, talking about good versus evil, essentially.
2: Yeah, like you just want to. As a person, and that's that's all you've got. You've got non-legal professionals mm-hmm. who are making the decision on these on these questions of fact. Most people are going to want to side with the gay estate just because Robin Thicke comes off like a scumbag, mm-hmm. and that that sometimes makes for really bad decisions. I tend to think that when they appeal this, it's yeah. going to get overturned. And if it doesn't, that is... If it doesn't, we're
0: in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's
2: really bad news for musicians. That's bad bad news for artists in general. bad
0: news for art in general, yeah. Yeah, Because, like, and uh, I I am also a firm believer that it will get overturned. uh, Because what we're talking about here now, this this doesn't necessarily set precedent right now. Right. Right? Um, And that's what a lot of people are freaking out of. Don't freak out yet. But should a precedent be set... That means – yeah, I sent out a tweet earlier this week that basically means when we do – in our trackings, we put this thing that says sounds like and it's it's sort of a reference point to be like, you know, if you like this artist, whatever, you know, recommend it if you like. is like what a lot of press emails send out. That list now becomes a, a target for the artists we're talking about. Like it we're just painting a target on because all of them right. can sue them and be like – you sound like them. See what these people said. They said oh, you sounded like them. I mean,
2: shit. All you got to do is uh, the, the Pandora algorithm becomes uh, yeah you know, it becomes the basis for lawsuits at that point. Like what what else shows up on the channel? Well, I guess you're you're copping the same vibe yeah. as <laughs> yeah. uh, as my song, aren't you?
0: Yeah, which is is a blatant um, it, it worst case scenario of of a crumbling like First Amendment. Like yeah. th- that is so like. Or as we know, it would be destroyed. Yeah, look, and you know, you always want to be careful with uh, with
2: making slippery slope arguments mm-hmm. because you can always you can take any slippery slope to be like dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> but but I think there is a real potential chilling effect on creativity right uh, here. Like this is not. This is not sampling. This is not taking no. an actual piece of music and using it without authorization. This is not blatantly copying the beats from somebody's track. Yeah. This is this song gives me the same feel. It like it makes he me think of another. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of this other artist when I'm hearing this song because it just has the same vibe about it, yeah, for yeah, lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah, yeah. And that right there is not only like Crazy subjective But just A crazy thing To be able to litigate about
0: Well because Like uh, One of the assumptions that I thought that Was really laughable About this Was that This is assuming That uh, Marvin Gaye Created in a vacuum Like yeah. who, who did Marvin Gaye get that from Right In fact That song specifically Was written uh, As a response To his record label Saying we need a disco hit So he specifically Was mocking A hit of the time I, I have it in one of these links here, but, uh, it'll be in the show notes, but like there was a song out then, and then they were like, well, we want to sound like that because that's what the record label wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, so then do those people now go and sue like the Mormon gay estate? Yeah. Like we know you got some cash. Chuck Berry's still alive. He's going to sue every rock and roll artist. Yeah. (laughs) Justice. (laughs) Um, you know, it's funny too, because this has gone on. Uh, I mean, look, uh, they, undeniably, they do sound similar. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I mean, I, I know people who have, when they announced this, were all like, uh, "They sound exactly alike. They do not, but they sound similar. Mm-hmm. Like, but like, I honestly didn't know the Marvin Gaye song. Now I would never really listen to the Robin Thicke song either. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I, I didn't hear it uh, and think, "Oh my God, this is ripping off a specific song." I'm like, "Well, he's a he's a soul singer, uh, Pharrell Williams." Uh, has made a career making this type of music. He operates in the same genre, you know? So that's obviously, you know, when you say something like, oh, this obviously has an influence of Marvin Gaye, that should be a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and,
2: that, do, do you know why like, people recognize it? Because Marvin Gaye made good music that yes. people wanted to listen to. Right. And so you take something that sounds, yeah, it, maybe it, it, it takes some of the elements right there, but then you mix it up into your own composition without mm-hmm. actually copying anything over. That's just because there are a limited number of, you know, ways a song can hit the sweet spot for people. Mm-hmm. And musicians are basically in the business of reshuffling those same sequences over and over and over again. And that's that's music. That's music.
0: <laughs> that's that, what it that is. is it. That is it. And the good ones know how to do it uh and they know their market. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and they and they sell it. Uh, there is uh I think a little more hilariously now, though, is that, too, uh, it wasn't like a day after the the uh, decision was handed down. The Gay family went ahead to suggest that uh, Pharrell's mega hit Happy sounds like another Marvin Gaye song, Ain't That Peculiar. Uh, and they say they aren't going to sue right now. But, I mean, <laughs> that, that's... That's the that's, thing.
2: Yeah, that's the next. <laughs> that's the next thing, right? There.
0: It was. It was actually that was from uh, the AV Club, and the headline was something like, "So maybe they have a thing against Pharrell Williams." Yeah. Um, Though I
2: did, I did note on the the Rolling Stone did the same article, and the update said that, like, like really definitively, they're like, we're not suing about happy. Yeah. So. Well, so who? They're they're happy with the seven point five million that they, yeah they got yeah.
0: So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll keep you updated i think they're the final word uh and this should just be the appeal here is when stevie wonder says that your shit isn't stealing from marvin gay you're not stealing from marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, so uh yeah well there's gonna be lots of links in the show notes for this uh we'll keep you updated and hopefully uh we'll be able to sue somebody in the future maybe for copying our podcast there you go i don't know I heard one. Serial so, sounds a lot like us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Though, I, don't I know, know they've got money. Aren't, isn't our rating
0: system so, like... Oh, kind of sh- <laughs> uh, we're getting sued by sound opinions. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about a little Modest Mouse. That is the uh, first single off of Modest Mouse. Uh, Modest Mouse is uh, first album in, what is it, eight years, Paul? Yeah, 07 was the last one. That is uh, Lampshades on Fire. Uh, Modest Mouse was formed back in uh, 1993 in Washington State. Uh, I guess the the guy has been it the longest or the whole time, the only... Consistent members: Isaac Brock, yeah. the singer, uh, guitar player. It's uh, but it seems pretty consistent. I think there have been a few people drop in and out. Uh, at one point, famously, uh, Johnny Marr mm-hmm. was in the band. Uh, that was for uh, which album? The 2007 album. Yeah, uh, was, we were F- dead before the ship yeah. even sank. Um, which had a
2: I, I had a pretty different vibe. I think it did, right? it
0: did have a different vibe. And and you know and uh, up front, I'll just get this out of the way. Uh, I have a good bit of disdain for this band. Mm-hmm. Uh but there were moments uh the single for that dashboard actually. Uh I, I enjoyed and uh but but like disdain I think that might have been one of the lowest parts in our friendship when I had to shoot the show so you could cover it. <laughs> 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 I I'm just going to say that.
2: Well, I, I appreciate <laughs> you uh taking that hit because uh that was awesome.
0: It wasn't as bad as or but, uh, but um, yeah, so uh, their album, uh, Lonesome Crowded West, came out in 1997. I think that's, that was the, I think their third album. Yeah, I think mean, that's that's when they really, like, start
2: people mm-hmm. started paying attention to them. And, you know, that was a big old double album. And yeah. Had a lot of good stuff on it. It was, as double albums tend to be, it was a little bit bloated. But there was uh, there well, a lot of a, great It gained tracks. them a cult vault. Yeah, and there were a lot of great tracks on that album.
0: still um, listen to a lot of that album today. Uh, and so... Th- the Moon in Antarctica came out after that. It was in 2004. Uh, good news for people who love bad news, uh, where they sort of hit the mainstream.
2: Yeah, where they the, hit the where they hit the real mainstream. Moon in Antarctica is definitely makes like a lot of publications uh, best of the decade top tens. Um, it is, that is a fantastic album for my money. That's their best album by far. But yeah, I've heard was, people say that it was. Uh, <laughs> When they it was when they put out good news for people who love bad news and you know it was flo- float on float on just yeah I mean that, that off, was that know? was
0: that was the the mega hit that is yeah. ubiquitous in uh, indie rock it took them from uh, I, would you say that actually might have changed indie rock a little bit um, I, I don't want to give it that much credit like it definitely
2: it mainstreamed the band and it, I think it drew some attention to some other artists uh, who. Came up with Modest Mouse in and around that in and around that time, and maybe mainstreamed them out a little bit mm-hmm. too. But I wouldn't put it on that on that one on that one song right there because right. I think there was there's a lot of other stuff that was uh, percolating around that time mm-hmm. too. That was you know And another band had the same thing happen. I, Yoshimi was a couple years before, right? Right, and, right, right. And that's when Flaming Lips went from being like the weird she don't use jelly uh, <laughs> right, 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 band right. to being something that everybody was listening to too. So there were a lot of these. Like shifting from quote unquote indie to uh to more mainstream appeal um acts going on right there in the early 2000s mm. It was a great time for indie because that was when everything yeah. was like recentering around uh around the New York scene, and a lot of bands were popping up out of there. It seemed like bands who were who had been making music for a long time were moving to New York just because it was like you needed a New York address just to uh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: noticed yeah, on that yeah scene. exactly and some people still think you need to do that, but uh you know whether or not that's true or not um so they're back with uh, "Strangers to Ourselves," um, you know. Is does this feel to you like a, a legacy band now? It, you know, it really doesn't. And uh, so, you, in, so, you, so you're thinking th-
2: this album is vital to you? It, it is actually, okay. and, and I think coming into this album, I was actually fully prepared for it to have right. a legacy vibe about it. I mean, you got an eight-year layoff between albums. I, I, I liked the last one, but I didn't love it, and I couldn't, you know, I mm-hmm. it was one of those where I couldn't tell where they were trying to go after that album, and then to have, like, eight years of silence. Yeah. And to have, during that time, you know, they were supposed to be doing a collaboration with Big Boy, and that fell apart. <laughs> and you're, you're just kind of like, I, I was wondering if they were just going to come and, like, riff off uh, Greatest Hits, and I'd just be like, okay, well, this means they're going to tour again, and that's cool. Yeah. Um, But no, I, I, I actually, listening to this album... Get really get the feeling that Isaac Brock is still as unsettled as he's ever been. Like kind of the the characteristic of the music is that he's never – he never gives you the impression that he is uh, entirely comfortable, that he's settled with where he is in his life. Um, He's always got these these paranoia, um, justified or not, about – various cosmic things, but also like the dissolution of the environment and his own and own personal things too. And I I think the same anxieties and tensions come through here, but just with the added perspective of a little bit of age.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I am, uh, I'm going to totally disagree with her. No, not totally disagree. I mean, so it's, it's weird because I've never, uh, got this band. I sort of, we don't need to do this on mic. At at, at some point, I want somebody to really like explain it to me because I think one of the things about Brock, uh, I mean, he is very, he's definitely a provocative singer. Uh, I will give him that, but uh, he always, to me has seemed all over the place and that's very off-putting. And on this one, it, the reason I asked if it's a legacy act, because I hear this and I hear all these stages of like, modest mouse that they've gone through just sort of bouncing like up to the surface a little bit, but nothing is even, uh, I mean, there were times that I was almost drawn into this band and nothing is getting there at all. It's just like, so I, I listened to it a few times and was left wondering sort of like who it was for. Well, I I think the interesting thing is, and I, you do
2: hit on something there. And for me, part of the appeal is how all over the place they are. Mm-hmm. You listen to an, you listen to a Modest Mouse album and every single one of them, even though they don't all sound the same, but every single one of them, you've got some of these like really jittery bangers where Brock is just screaming at people. Yeah. And then you've always, and then you've always got a couple of quieter ones that are really going through some of the, uh, going through some of the more, uh, introspective paces right there. And you look at Lonesome Crowded West and most of that is just like, you know, is really like younger in your face stuff. And then you've got trailer trash right in the middle, which is one of their better, one of their better songs, I think. And that's as quiet as anything you're going to find later on. So I think one of their defining features has always been that they are a little bit sloppy and that this kind of, it kind of, I think mirrors his mental processes that he's just, he's kind of putting it out there. It doesn't mean that it's not intricate. Like Mm -hmm. I think that they're, it's all very intentional, but I don't think that they're trying, I don't think they're trying to make it sound tight because they're not, a tight-sounding band. They're paranoid and schizophrenic, and just kind of laying it all
0: out there on the uh, on the tracks. I see. Um, let's hear a song then of them laying it out there on the tracks. Actually, uh, the ground walks with time in the box. Uh, True Detective season two. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: True Detective. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that, that's actually one of the more, uh, to me at least, palatable tracks on the record. Uh, it, it it sounds a lot like what they were doing on their um, on the previous album, uh, and I uh, I guess he he said uh, in an interview, uh, and, and I'm going to paraphrase here. Uh, when people, uh, I guess he sold a song to a car company or somebody, and mm-hmm. and caught a lot of flack uh, because you know that's not punk as fuck. And <laughs> it's indie rock, but uh, and he was basically like, "Well, tell all those people who aren't trying to make music for a living, like uh, they essentially, go fuck themselves." Yeah, <laughs> it's like and 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 I applaud them for that, uh, and I think that's a good tack. But I don't, um, you know, back. I want to go back to the little like the legacy thing. Like, do they need to be making more modest Mouse albums at this point, or should he go off and like make music for commercials? Maybe.
2: No, I mean, I I think that uh, I think they, that he doesn't want to make music for commercials. Mm-hmm. He wants to make. His music, and if the right. and if they want to buy it for commercials, he's happy sure, to sell sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. But the thing is that they don't make a lot of music that would sound right in a commercial, and so I think the opportunity to sell something. And I, I'm pretty sure that that was right, or that it was off of Good News for People Who Love Bad
0: News. I yeah, think yeah, it was yeah, the, yeah, I think it
2: might have actually been Float on that they. No, no, it was, it was
0: one before that. Was it?
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, like they don't have a lot that really falls into like that easy melodic vibe that people are going for. So, yeah, make the money while you can and keep making the music you can. It's a means to an end. You get to pay your bills and you get to keep making your art. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, because, you know, as I usually do, I spoil these things. I mean, overall, like, I was... I, I was not offended by a lot of, <laughs> by a lot of Modest Mouse albums, but it was sort of bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I, I see if you're a Modest Mouse fan, then you're going to be like, yeah, that's glad Modest Mouse. So I'm like that about a lot of bands. Yeah, but I'm quickly in this year like losing patience for that. Where I'm just like, you know, maybe it's okay to just stop. I
2: definitely feel like that when I don't feel like artists have something to say mm-hmm. and I think that uh Brock's telling some stories on here. I think yeah. he's giving some some real input into where he is he's thirty nine now you know he started the band when he was nineteen yeah, 18. Yeah, yeah. so like there's been a there's been a real evolution in his uh in his thought process and he still he still writes a good lyric I think he still makes uh he still makes interesting tracks and I like this better than a lot of the new albums that I've been hearing. So if he can still, as long as he can, yeah, as long as he can churn out this quality, uh, I say, keep making the music and keep touring. Don't, don't give it up just because you've been doing it for a long time. Right. Right.
0: Well, I mean, and that's what I mean, like definitely keep touring. Right. Yeah. But like, don't make a, uh, uh, like a, a Pixies type mistake and like pretend you're going to make new music. But that's the thing is that the Pixies new music, I think really sucked.
2: Okay. (laughs) This doesn't like, I know you don't like it, but but you're coming at it from not, from not liking the whole band. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I, I I would be interested if I, to see if anybody who considers themselves a modest mouse fan and not just like, a fan of one of their albums but someone who's been following them for a long time were to hear this album and just be like yeah no it's over. Like I, I, the early reactions I've heard have not been like that. This is not a situation like the Hold Steady last year where a lot of
3: people
0: were <laughs> where a lot of people were
2: like yeah maybe maybe it's about that time no, guys. I liked that album. I so did, so what is the saying here? I did. I did, but I but I'm but I'll also readily admit that it's not Good. Good. It's not as good as their other stuff. I still listen to some tunes. Move
0: there for that one. Um, the, you like the song off this? Uh, what was it Wicked Campaign? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's hear that. Uh, but now, why? Why were you thinking of this one? I don't know. This is it. Just grabbed me the the,
2: the last few times I listened to the album. Um, you know, you, you get into kind of a groove with the music, and then like look up and mm-hmm. be like, oh wait, which is this track again? And this one's pulled on me a couple of times.
0: So. All right, this is uh, Wicked Campaign.
1: Well, I just found the fence where I'm going to lean. Take my hand, cut your file, and rub my eyeglasses clean. So I just learned my face, but I forgot my name. I'm wear this smile like it's some stupid cheap me and say, oh, 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 that's oh, too oh, bad. Oh, I just learned your face, but it is bound to. Say what you want, but try to think it my way. So, oh, 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 this was your campaign. I said, oh, 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 this was not my plan. I'm a bastard and the only just meant. I guess I probably shouldn't wear this big old sign around my neck I still got some opinions that I willing to claim I wouldn't carry them around like this some wicked campaign I started the debate but now I'm sure I can not win I should probably just exit the same way I came in Well, I'm trying to calculate didn't calculate this But there's a lot more nothing than you knew exist So, so Oh, 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 this was not my plan Oh, 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 this wicked campaign Every day is a wicked campaign Well, I just found the fence where
0: I'm going All right, so that's wicked campaign. I mean, it's pleasing.
2: I'll, I'll give you that I, I, I like it. like I think they always do a good job with slotting in le- the the softer, more introspective tracks yeah. and they they do a good job with it in putting it in between other songs where it seems like it might not fit. It's mm-hmm. kind of like running into you know here on uh on the first pavement album you know it's
0: yeah yeah i mean i I, I guess I just like the uh the what's the first track on the album? Uh, strangers to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that. So th- that one I actually like I guess th- this like that track specifically feels like like you know, some solid MOR. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se. Uh, and but that's why I've been asking like it, it who's going to appeal to.
2: Well, honestly, I'm I was I like that song, but I'm was really surprised by their choice to open the album with it. Yeah, yeah. Like Oh, no, well, I was talking about the song we just heard. Oh, oh, okay. But
0: no, and the, the reason I like it is because I'm, I'm, I'm more interested to see, uh, what Brock, like, is, did, does he ever done any, like, fiction writing? Has he ever done writing outside the band? Or is Boy, it just. I, you quick? know, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see. I, I feel like, uh, a friend Ben Opa might have interviewed him. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, because that, <sighs> There's this experience I have with Modest Mouse, you know, and you have your experiences with every band that of there are, like you said, there are some good insights, some good like writing moments and stuff, but I'm not, I didn't get them on this album except for that first track. And it, it seemed like different than the vibe. I mean, it's assumed right now that, that they can operate on pretty much autopilot, mm-hmm. you know, and be like, oh, it's time to do the Modest Mouse thing. Like, boom, kick it out and stuff. So I think what becomes more interesting to me is as time goes by with bands is is how do you continue to do that but evolve in other ways through your process and stuff. And so when I heard the first song I was like, oh, this is intriguing. Uh and then didn't necessarily pay off. Well, the thing is that
2: like I said, I think that I think it was interesting just to lead with that track right there. I think that it does show up thematically mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the album, but they've and we were talking about this I think off mic while one of the uh while one of the tracks was yeah. playing, they have never been a band that is religiously sonically consistent within an album. Right. Like they go they go all over the place. And it's all distinctive, it all sounds like Modest Mouse. It's just it doesn't sequence the way yeah. that you would expect it to. And I've always this seen is, that I've yeah. always seen that as a feature and not a bug of the way that they do it. Because I don't it, think it's I don't think it's haphazard. I think it's planned. And for me at least it works.
0: Yeah, I'm on the other side of that. Because I think it is a uh, there, there's an art to that, and I think you can do it. Um, I think you can get away with it once or twice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make this jarring uh, piece of work that is like everything's out of sequence and stuff. I mean, hooks matter, and this is not a band without hooks. They, they do, but like, look, they the Moon in Antarctica was a
2: concept album, and that's the one that fits like the the yeah. usual like through line the best. Mm-hmm. But even with that, it get it bounces all over the place mm-hmm. within there not everything sounds like the lead
0: up with uh, third planet like it yeah they always uh, he has always been sort of a carnival barker like persona mm-hmm. in fact i think in the float on video he took they took it like to the visual like right. representation right. like a one to one like metaphor but has has that cuz that component is strong on this album there's a lot of uh, almost like circus rock, I'm not saying that pejoratively, I'm just saying it's um you know like Franz Nikolai does a lot of that mm-hmm. uh stuff like that, but it's uh and it's a style that you either get or not, but has he always done that um
2: I don't know if I want to say always because I'm having a hard time thinking of exactly like what the sound was on the very first tracks they put out, right but there's been a little bit of that all the way through, like at least back to Lonesome Crowded West and the Fruit That Ate Itself, and yeah. the, and the things they were putting out back. Which is the a 90's.
0: weird choice, and again, it can work. It can work just fine, but it is a weird choice, um, you know. Especially when you have, uh, I mean, a song like Wicked Campaign, uh, the song I played, and then shift into this completely like, well, what the what am I in? Uh, you know, the bearded lady tent. <laughs> like, well.
2: I, look, I like I like the variety, and I think that they work across that spectrum effectively. Yeah, and you always know, you know, you're not you're not going to get an album that sounds like anybody else's album with Modest Mouse. Even people who have tried to copy them or have been influenced by them, mm-hmm. like it's pretty distinctive. I think whether it, love them or hate them, like a Modest Mouse album doesn't sound like another album. Yeah, so. that,
0: that is true. That is very true. So, uh, where do you think you're going to land on it? I, I'm I'm buying it. Are you going to buy it? Yeah. Like no surprise. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, come on. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I am. Uh, it, I don't think it was enough to shift me. I, it, it does have one of the best song titles, I think, of the best year. <laughs> uh, God is an Indian and you're an asshole. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's good. Um, I, yeah. For me, it's it's too much. Um, I, I still, you know, six albums. What, you know, twelve years into their career, I still don't feel. Like, and I'm just talking about me personally. Twelve years. They're they're over twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. So I, I don't I, I don't feel like any cohesive thing that they're doing, and uh, not to sound like an old guy, but like I, sort of like I, I look for that, mm-hmm. like something that pulls it together. And I, I'm not afraid of like a typical or uh, even um, just sonically. Um just way out there stuff. I mean, like we'll be talking about it in a few weeks actually, but the, uh, Colin Stetson, Sarah Newford album that I sent you Mm -hmm. is completely like avant-garde instrumental jazz. And it's, it's fantastic. It's like easily my favorite album this year beyond the D'Angelo. Wow. Um, but D'Angelo came out last year, dude. No, we're, we're including, (laughs) you don't get to just like judge it as being, we are, uh, we'll talk about this. Um, Yeah, and and this doesn't hit, so I'm going to pass. But, I mean, I think anybody who likes uh, Modest Mouse is going to pick this up. Yeah, I think
2: think that sounds right. This isn't winning converts, but it's going to be – it gives more than, like, a legacy vibe to people who already like them. Yep.
0: last, but certainly not least, our last order of business uh, today is going to be uh, playing a track from a local band that's reached out to us. The name of the band is Waltz Brigade. Uh, They are a seven-piece from around here. I think Mount Pleasant maybe. Seven-piece. Seven-piece. Well, and actually there's four other people on the album. Um, The main guy in here, I guess the singer uh, and guitar player is uh, Mark Bettencourt. Um, they actually played a show last night uh, That uh, I could not go to Because we were hurt from Baltimore <laughs> <laughs> But uh, with our friends In The Stranger in the Alps um, And the uh, Sorry we were talking about morphine On the past few podcasts We were talking a little bit off mic Morphine practiced this music uh, called low music And it was very like noirish And very supposed to um, Very uh, minimalistic But uh, uh, Salmon's basic purpose was to get the most emotion out of that and with morphine they absolutely uh did that uh i don't think this ep the name of the ep is slow mountain uh and this says the title track slow mountain the ep is not like that but i think this track uh is definitely has a lot to do with that and so uh let's hear it right now this is uh slow mountain uh by waltz brigade (laughs) Slow Mountain uh, off the EP, Slow Mountain from Waltz Brigade. Uh, Paul, you dig? No? Yeah, I dig. Yeah. I dig. It's got a good vibe, but I don't want to give any uh,
2: indication of what I, what I think they sound like, because I don't want to give anybody a chance to <laughs> see these
0: guys. But... <laughs> I'm trying to think of the biggest name that could sue them. Uh, (laughs) They sound like Arcade Fire now. Oh, (laughs) they don't. Yeah, it it should be interesting to see. uh, uh, Like I said, I'll get you a copy of the EP there. Uh, If you're listening, you want a copy, though. It's available on Bandcamp. It's pay what you want. Uh, I gave them five bucks because I'm not an asshole. (laughs) So you should too. Or if you're an asshole, don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, They're going to be playing, uh, to my knowledge, a bunch of house shows. Coming up, I think next weekend, actually, they might be playing one. So hopefully we'll get out to see him have something up on the uh, site, uh, a live report from the show. Get yeah. uh, get uh, Matt Condon, which, by the way, uh, he's been sort of killing it. Uh, I don't know if anybody listens to this, maybe looks at the site as well. That would make sense. but <laughs> It would make some um, sense. We, we put in a, 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 f- a photographer and music fan, sort of known for a while, uh, shot Merge 25 with PJ Sykes and said, hey, uh, Matt, you want to you wanna maybe do a lot of this live stuff with us? He said, yeah. And, and he's been fucking killing it, like three or four shows a night uh, or a week, sometimes a night. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so look for his stuff on the site. Um, I think that's our podcast for this week. Cool. So, uh, Paul, thank you for the only person – it was coming down. Hey, you know, I like going old school here sometimes. Yeah, it it's was. nice. It's pleasant. It was. We need, like, ghost Andre over there. <laughs>
2: just,
0: on, Andre's forced well, we, we ghost. we've Ted Nugent out, so, that, I mean, that, that yeah, could that,
2: sub. Um, we just need to, look, we just need to get the James <laughs> Hetfield soundboard back, and that's Jesus. like having Andre in
0: the room. Uh, I might have to put that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, tune in next week where we are going to be hopefully talking about... Uh, Riley Walker's album, uh, and Quinn is gonna be here. We were gonna do a Quinn cast. Quinn cast? No, uh, from, from, uh, his, his venue. Not from his venue, uh, his, his home. Um, but uh, talking about pile, I, I think we're going to do it here now, okay? Uh, just for timing. But so we're going to be talking about pile and the uh, new album from Riley Walker. So uh, if you're in DC, uh, pack your bong tightly since it's legal now because <laughs> I think you're going to need it. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you in about a week. I'm still here. Kenobi, how do you feel about what's (laughs)
3: happening?
0: Kenobi!